So Advent continues moving forward unceasingly. It's going quickly. The two candles are lit. You'll notice this week in particular, our Blessed Mother is highlighted. Why? Because this big Thursday is her big feast day, the Immaculate Conception, a big solemnity. And then that's the 8th. And then again on the 12th, you have Our Lady of Guadalupe. And it's Advent. And with John the Baptist, who better to teach us to prepare the way of the coming of the Lord than his mother, who herself, in these weeks before the birth of her son, was very much preparing for Christmas. So she kind of takes us by the hand a little bit this week, next week, and helps us to really do what we're supposed to do, to, to not fall behind, to not fall slack in our preparations for Christmas. So we do highlight her a lot this week. We could comment on John the Baptist. There's a lot there. I think every year we hear about John the Baptist, and, and we need to all wear camel's hair garments. That's not your ordinary textile, is it? Camel's hair more like wool, right? So camel's hair is pretty uncomfortable. Again, Advent, it's a chance to get uncomfortable in our living, to restore our conviction. I'm not of this world, even though I'm in this world. I'm of Christ, and He is my Lord and my King. So a little bit of that theme. But I was very struck, and I, I won't be able to do it justice, but the readings very much touched on the, the Scriptures, like the whole Scriptures, the Old Testament Jewish Scriptures, the New Testament, St. Paul, Matthew himself writing this story, um, I was also distracted, like the, the Chosen series, the, the way they portray Matthew and his attention to detail. Just imagine that character, Matthew, as he's looking over the past experiences with Jesus, now Jesus has risen from the dead, and Matthew, the, the, the man of details, is like, in the beginning, John the Baptist went out with camel's hair and preaching, just as Isaiah had said. Like for Matthew, this was a big deal. For the apostles, like the Old Testament reaches a whole new meaning because of what Jesus did, because of the New Testament, because of our, our faith today, the church today, which is part of the story. If you put the period too early, the story doesn't make sense. And if you come in too late at episode 9, you've missed a lot. I often compare scriptures when you, when you think about reading, watching the Avengers movies or whatever, you, watch, you get to Wakanda forever or whatever. If you haven't watched the first 20 episodes, how many Avengers are there? There's millions of, of it. If you, if you missed the first one and the second one and the third one, Number seven is not going to make any sense. I mean, it'll be a good movie, but you're missing a lot. You walk into Harry Potter and you missed the first few and you're trying to read number nine, you're lost. And same, same thing, if you start with number one, and you start with the Old Testament, you start with the beginnings of the story, and you finish episode one of the Avengers, and it ends, and it's, well, it's a great, great movie, I really enjoyed that. And then there's the post credit scene, and you're like, ooh, but there's more. And then, and what if it ended there, right? It's not finished. It doesn't make sense. So when you read the Old Testament, the Jewish scriptures, the whole Jewish history, it's beautiful in itself. It's a tremendous moment of many moments of God gradually revealing Himself and many prophets and, and people of old. But in itself, it's always pointing to, like Isaiah, one who is to come. There's more to come. It's like tons of post-credit scenes in the Old Testament. There's another episode coming. Stay tuned. And then it ends. And if you only have the Old Testament, you're scratching your head because it doesn't finish until you get to the New Testament. Another movie reference, if you like, is Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones, with a medallion, right? And the German Nazis have the medallion, but they only have one side of it. And they're trying to figure out where to dig for the Ark of the Covenant and finding it in the archaeology, and, um, but they only have one side. And you have, to share, you have to have both sides, both testaments. And only in the light of both do you know exactly where to dig, how to live. 
A lot of times we read the scriptures and we're like, oh my gosh, the Old Testament, the Jewish scriptures, oh, that's all the God of vengeance and all this violence and anti-woman and male chauvinism. Well, yeah, if that's all you have, then you might think that that's what the Bible is all about, but that's not the whole story. And by the way, if you've actually done Bible in the year, you realize it's not even that much there anyway. So do your homework. But it is important, I guess I want to emphasize, we need to know who we are and beginning with where we come from. And Isaiah makes, says a lot in the Advent Scriptures. There's a lot for us to, to do. We remember so many promises made. We remember our journey, the Jewish journey. We realize what God has done. We also realize, and only in the light of the Jewish Scriptures do we realize fully, what is Christmas? Is it about Santa Claus and shopping? Is that what Christmas is? Because that's what's on TV. Or isn't there more? And therefore, in that light also, who am I because of Christmas? What's the purpose of my life in the light of the whole context, the whole story? There's a lot there. We need to have that whole picture. A lot of people criticize the movie The Passion of the Christ when they first saw it. Like, I don't get it. You walk in this bite, this guy's being condemned to death and he's crucified on a cross and then it ends with him somehow walking to the tomb. It doesn't make any sense. It's a stupid movie. Well, yes, if that's all there was, it might be hard for us. But our life as Christians, likewise, needs the whole picture to make any sense at all. So we go back to our roots in the Advent season. We go back to the promises that were made. It is not the story of a God who does not keep his promises. But we're the ones who should know. Not only is he keeping his promises, but it tells us how to live those out today. St. Paul reminds us, the, the scriptures were written for our instruction today because they teach us how to live. So Isaiah's promise today, and you hear it a lot, you hear it a lot in the, the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, right? O Come, O Rod of Jesse's Stem. Who cares about Jesse's stem? We do. Because the whole history of our faith, upon the stump of Jesse, that kind of dead root, by the way, who was Jesse? Whose son? Who's the son of Jesse? David. That's really important. He's the king of all the promises of Israel. He's the heir to the throne, the promises made to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all the way down. And this king comes, David comes, and then he's gone. The throne is vacated. The stump, the tree's been cut off. It's just a stump right now. And yet there's a promise. Upon that stump, a bud will blossom one day. This is Isaiah. This is 700 B.C. But it's a promise. And the Israelites didn't ignore it when it wasn't fulfilled after Isaiah. They kept telling the story every Sabbath, every week. They would renew the promises, renew their awareness of the promises. And suddenly you get to Jesus Christ. And here's Matthew writing the stories of Jesus, John the Baptist, Jesus Christ. And Matthew's like saying, this is the one of whom Isaiah spoke. In the episodes of The Chosen, you have Andrew coming to Peter saying, We found him! He's here! Our Jewish faith makes sense now! They actually say The Chosen is the most Jewish series out right now. Because it is, and people have appreciated the work to show that depth of understanding of the Jewish faith, the Jewish culture, the Jewish religion. Our Lord came and he gently or not so gently communicated, yes, he is the heir to the throne of David. Right? The angel said to the Blessed Mother, the kingdom, the, the throne of David will have no end. His kingdom will have no end. It was a Jewish root, it was a divine root with the Son of God taking that throne. 
But even Jesus, you might be tempted to think, well, isn't this referring to Jesus, the light of the world, Jesus that bud blossomed? Yes. But no, right? We'll get into that. Let me read real quick the, the, the exact term because I think it's fascinating. On that day, one day, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will be set up as a signal for all nations, not just the Jews. All nations will celebrate Christmas. All nations. The Gentiles, even, the non-Jews of pagan society will seek out that signal. That's a big, we'll get back to the word signal. But all nations will come to that light. Jesus focused his work, yes, on revealing himself, but also on what? He was building something. He was inaugurating a kingdom and he was gathering all people to himself. His project is the community of believers. So Jesus would say, yes, I am the light of the world, but then he would turn to his followers and say, you are the light of the world. You are that signal set up for all nations to find me through your light. That word signal, I'm going to get to that. Think of the word flare. You send up a flare, right? The word signal, the English word falls short. It's a, it's a lighthouse in the, in the darkness of the ocean. How do the ships coming close to shore at nighttime know where the shore is? You need lighthouses to tell them that so that they don't crash. You send up a flare, you hold a flag when two armies are fighting in the, in the you know, pre-modern times. How do they know which side was which? Well, when the smoke cleared, they could see, okay, that's my flag. That's my home base. That tells me where to go. You are that flag. You are that flare. You are that signal for the nations. You are that homing beacon telling them where to go. It is Jesus, but with Jesus, it's the people of God. It's the church. Needs to be that beacon. I like the word homing beacon because it beacons, it, 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 it pulsates, showing you the way home, leading us home. It's a guiding light. The movie The Lord of the Rings, the climactic moment, it's time to light the beacons. You have to send up the signal to tell all the nations where to come, where to fight. What is the fight? So they don't get lost in the wrong things. The beacons are lit, showing us the way. And we follow that light and reach the light of Christ. So you notice, for what it's worth, just a couple of glimpses, in the very beginning of the story of Jesus, the first ones to come and worship him are not really the scribes and Pharisees of even the Jewish faith. It's some, the Magi, coming from far Eastern religions. They followed their religion, the astrology, to its limits, and then the stars of the sky led them to the star, the light, and they bowed down and worshipped their God because they recognized him in the king of the Jews. And it says they went back by a different route. They went back changed. That's our faith. Our, our faith in Jesus Christ, heir to the throne of David, king of the Jews, it's built upon the stump of Jesse, and that bud has blossomed, and has been set up as a signal flare for all nations to find. That's you, and that's me. If I'm Matthew writing this, I might still be scratching my head saying, is this ever going to happen? But I'm not Matthew because it's been 500 years, 1,500 years, 2,000 years later. What do we see of that bud that blossomed upon the stump of Jesse? It's all over the world. The church is all over the world. That's what the word Catholic means, universal. And it's why when you go to the movies right now, get this. Okay, Wakanda Forever is probably on top. That's fair. But what's the third movie right now, most popular? It's The Chosen. Why is everybody going to see a Jewish movie about the Jewish Messiah? 
Our Lord promised it, and it's happening. In our midst, we're seeing Isaiah fulfilled. Not just in Jesus 2,000 years ago, but in the church today, in the community of believers today, it continues to happen. That light shines in the darkness. And the darkness of our secular society has not overcome it. The hunger of the human mind and heart continues to push people, and they're coming to find it. They're looking for it. And that's our challenge today, because I am that church. I am that light. I am that bud blossoming. It needs to grow. Advent is a time to rekindle the light and awareness of who I am as a Christian. What does Christmas mean for me when it calls me to be a light to all nations? A light to all my friends and my not-so-good friends and my co-workers and my schoolmates. That light needs to shine. I can't keep it to myself. Isaiah's promise is fulfilled if I do my part. Watch St. Paul receive the light of Christ. And what did he do with it? He brought it everywhere. So he gets to even the Areopagus of Greece and all the temples of Minerva, of uh, Athena and Zeus and Aphrodite. Guess what? Those temples, they're all ruins and tourist sites now because they found something greater. And he gets to Rome and he's writing to the Romans, the Roman Jewish converts. In the Roman Forum today, all the temples of Rome, Jupiter, Caesar, Nero, Caesar, whatever, all these Minerva temples, they're ruins. You take tours of the Roman Forum today because they found something greater. And you and I have that light today. What are we doing with it? Is it buried under the bushel basket of my ignorance of my faith? Is it buried under the bushel basket of my fear of what people will think of me? Is it buried under the bushel basket of my unformed, still selfish, self-centered heart that's giving such a pitiful example of the light of Christ? Am I full of anxiety? Is that what shines out from my life? Worry and anxiety over petty things of every day? Or is the light of Jesus actually first set my heart on fire? so that that light continues to burn with me, with my brothers and sisters, with my faith, my, my faith community. Because that's what this is about. I need to be that beacon that actually pulsates and not, is not just sitting there dead and idle. So just an invitation. We've got two more weeks left of Advent. Use them well. If you didn't finish the Bible in a year, and for you it's going to be the Bible in three years, well, finish maybe the Bible in a year. So you know your history. You know your roots. Therefore, you know better who you are and what you're called to be. Well, we're getting ready January 1st. They're going to start the catechism in a year. Probably like three years for me. But like, read and listen and, and get into that awareness of what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ? What does it look like in how we worship? Do I come to Mass and just sit there with my mouth closed and don't really participate? Is that what the light looks like? Or should it be something more vibrant? And when I treat my neighbor differently, when I know how to handle the political topics that go up and, and come up in, in public conversation, I've been given so much light. Do I know it? Or do I need to also change not just my mind, but my heart? It's a special time of change. Special weeks of grace to change. To really be that light. Or if, you, if nothing else, watch The Chosen. Watch the, the Christmas special of The Chosen. There's a lot there for us to rediscover. Why is this so captivating? What is there in my Christian faith that seems to be so attractive to the world today when it's actually lived out? Sadly, a lot of people look at the Christians of first world modern society and they say, well, they look just like everybody else. What's the difference? And that's tragic. 
Because we're supposed to be different. We're not supposed to look like more darkness, just like the darkness around the world today. We're supposed to shine differently. And look at John the Baptist. You talk about radical. That's radical. No, you don't have to wear camel's hair, but you do have to be radical. You do have to be radically detached from so many pleasures and delights of this world and distractions of this world that do nothing but keep us too occupied to be Christian, to depend on God, to discern His way for my life. I'm too busy worrying about what other people think. I'm too busy keeping up with the Joneses and my purchases and my shopping. John the Baptist says, you've got to go out to the desert. You've got to leave behind so many things. And then you might finally hear and be rekindled and shine brightly. We pray for the church. We pray for each one of us. We pray for our brothers and sisters. The world needs that light because the people in darkness are still looking for the light of Christ. It shined brightly in the past. It shines brightly in other places. But in our world today, in this nation in particular, it needs to shine anew. Let us rediscover our faith. Let us grow deeper in the roots of our faith. Let us know those roots and be true to who we are and be the light of the world that Jesus said we are called to be. Amen? Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, pray for us.